probably shouldn't go in the toilet. Don't flush them in the toilet because when it breaks, you're the one that has to fix it. <clears throat> I also have learned, um, you know, things that I didn't know I'd ever be able to do. For example, I'm actually the, the go-to ponytail putter inner person. So, <laughs> so I'm the ponytail pro. I didn't know I'd become that. Um, I've also learned how to cut, cut spaghetti very finely so that it doesn't slop around. There's no, not too much spaghetti sauce in everybody's clothes. Um, but I've also learned uh, to be a shoulder to cry on, to be a soft place to land. And um, I've learned that love is not just a bumper sticker, that it's something much deeper than that, that it's about shepherding, and it's about directing, and it's about sacrifice. And I know that all of us dads, we've made mistakes in many ways, and we've fallen in many ways, but I think all of us would agree that that's the prime thing that we want our children to see in us, and the most important thing. And so when I, uh, when I look for inspiration about being a dad, I've got a few places I turn, but I, I found this sermon by uh, George Whitfield, the great uh, Methodist uh, preacher from the 18th century, and he had this quote that says, uh, to fathers specifically, and he calls them governors of families, that your lot, everyone must confess, is cast on fair ground. Providence, God, has given you a goodly heritage above many of your fellow creatures, and therefore, out of a principle of gratitude, you ought to endeavor, as much as in you lies, to make every person of your respective households to call upon him as long as they live. And that is quite a challenge. But the wonderful thing is that, of course, we're not alone in that, that we have a superhero. We dads do. And we saw a glimpse of that. I, by the way, don't wait till nighttime to, use, to spray the, the hornet's nest when they're actually sleeping, by the way. <laughs> um, I learned that one, too. <clears throat> but we have, a, have a, uh, someone that we can call upon. And when I look in the Bible, um, I see examples of fathers. And one in particular comes to mind. I see Abraham, the father of Isaac. And God called him, and we know what God said. He said, take your son, whom you love, and take him to a place that I will show you to be a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering for me. And so they went up the hill of Mount Moriah. Isaac was carrying the wood for the offering, and Abraham the fire, and there was no lamb. But Abraham trusted God, and he loved God more than anything else. And so he will do what God asked him to do. And so Isaac asked, Father, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God himself will provide a lamb. And so we know the story. Isaac was laid down on the altar. And right when Abraham was to make the, the lethal cut, God stopped his hand. He said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And then there was a, a ram that was provided. But I also read about another father and another son. Another son who carried the wood up the hill. A son who 
laid himself down on that wood willingly. And this time the knife was not stopped. The knife cut into him. And all the wrath of our sinfulness and of our shame was poured onto him. All the punishment of sin was taken by him so that we could be saved, so that we could have a new way. And I read in Hebrews, speaking of Jesus, Hebrews 10, starting verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way prepared for us through the curtain that is his body that was broken, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And so that's a place where, where I find my strength and my inspiration. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in what he's done for us. It's in the fact that he's made a way for us so that we could come before the Father and that we could claim his sacrifice as our own. And so that's what I want my children to remember most of me many years from, ha- from now. And um, that's what I wanted to share with you guys. Pastor G, I think you're up next. Thank you, Eric. A father's love. It's hard to believe that I'm the middle dad. It just seemed like yesterday. The kids were little, sleepless nights. Well, Marilyn was much better at the sleepless nights than I was. Not that I wasn't willing, but that I just couldn't stay awake. I remember... I got this. It's okay. I got... Oh, I got this. <laughs> Remember one of the nights, the kid, one of the kids was crying in their crib. And I'm like, shh, it's okay. Shh, it's okay. And then the crying didn't stop. And so I'm like, okay, I got this. And as I pick the child up out of the crib, I'm thinking, what am I teaching this kid? You just cry and you get out of bed anytime you want? And so I put them in the crib, and then I crawled in and laid down with them. (laughs) And when I woke up by myself in the crib, I'm thinking, this isn't good. (laughs) So there were a lot of nights where Marilyn was amazing and did the sleepless nights. And then there were the other nights where I suddenly would get this motivation right around here. "I, I got this. I'm up. I got this. Uh, Many told us that it would go quickly, and at the time, uh, it sure didn't feel quick. But now here we are, looking at grades 5, 7, and 10. A friend of mine uh, once told me, that made a big impact on me, 
He said, your child's first concrete experience of an abstract God will come from you. No pressure. So how our children first view us, dads, may very well be how they first view God. But I think it's true. If our, children, if our children's first relational experience, if they're harsh from us, how will they see God as kind and patient? This has brought me to ask God many times that if I could represent him better. I want my kids to know God as slow to anger and quick to forgive. So often I find myself asking God to make me slower to anger or slower to be frustrated and that I may forgive and be forgiven quickly for my impatience or my thoughtless reaction instead of thoughtful, gentle response. So many times I'm focused on, let's just get the job done, whether it's a daily chore or a weekly chore or just getting something done around the house or the yard. And it's so easy for me to get focused on getting the job done and get the job done right that I can often overlook the joy of the journey, the journey of the quality time spent together, doing whatever it is. I want my kids to know that I love them and loved them first, that I love them most, and that I will always love them no matter what. I ask God to help me show them more and to show them better. When I think about all the things that uh, get me busy in life, what do I want my kids to remember me by? What do you want your kids to remember most about you? Was it that I charged them when they left their light or fan on all day? Was it that I yelled at them to get their chores done or to get their room clean? Or that I was impatient with them when they goofed off instead of helping me clean up from dinner? Or do I want them to remember that I smiled at them with a sparkle in my eye, with joy from my deep love for them, and how I couldn't help but smile in their company? That's what I want for them to know and to remember, to remember me by, that I love them, each of them, and that each one of them makes me smile and laugh at different times and in different ways. And I believe our Heavenly Father delights in each of us the same way. just want to end with the lyrics of this song that mean a lot to me. Um, Abba, I Belong to You by Jonathan David Melissa Helser. Helser. Just the lyrics right here say, You came running down my prodigal road. You came running with a ring and a robe. Grace is the collision on the way back home with the arms of a father who won't let go. I want my kids to know I want to be that father that won't let go. And I want our kids to know that from us as a community. And I want Paradise to know that from us as believers in Jesus. You really expect me to believe that you yell at your kids, Garrison? Come on. Don't believe it. You think it's hard to believe that you're the middle dad? It's hard to believe I'm the young dad. I'm the old dad. Yeah. When Marcia and I came here 23 years ago, immediately after completing my training, we were one of the young, young couples in town. 
Today, it is my privilege to represent the older fathers whose children have left the nest and are now navigating life without their parents' daily assistance and guidance. Oh my, it's gone quickly. I now more fully realize the wisdom and accuracy of the old aphorism that speaks about the period of our lives as young parents. The days are long, but the years are short. I was raised, or more accurately stated, wasn't completely raised by two parents who definitely loved me, but who did not model a loving marriage. Divorce soon wounded my childhood family when I was 11, and that separation continues to create pain and challenges in all of our lives decades later. But God is good. He led me to a godly wife, even though I did not ask for one at the time. And fortunately, he ultimately led us here to paradise, where, with the assistance of this amazingly supportive community, we raised our two daughters. During this journey of parenthood and my own personal special needs style of Christian growth, I became more and more aware that the greatest thing I could do in this life is to be a man of God, a husband and a father. And that what this world sorely lacked were godly men who stand by their families and lead them. I'm worse than Cindy Waring. Goodness. (laughs) Can't make it through the first page. Love your transparency, Cindy. You're awesome. That lead their families. Despite this awareness, I still struggle greatly in that duty. In the sixth grade, I remember watching a video in school of James Dobson. Dr. Dobson was then a young psychologist who later founded and hosted the Focus on the Family radio ministry. In that video, Dr. Dobson read the lyrics to the popular song, Cats in the Cradle, written in 1974, the same year my parents divorced. Who was it written by? Brian, you're our pop music encyclopedia guy. I didn't hear the right answer, I don't think. Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin. Did someone say that? Harry Chapin. The popular version, I believe, was sung by Cat Stevens. Are there any younger dads here in the audience who are not uh, familiar with that song? It's a piercing tale of how difficult it is to cut away or deviate from one's family script. And therefore, without honed intentionality, how one is predisposed, if not doomed, to repeat the mistakes of his parents. The song tells of a father who chooses career over time with his son, career over time with his son, only to find later when he desperately wants to spend time with him, his son has followed the same trail of allowing life to interfere with that father-son relationship. This terrified my 11 this terrified my 11-year-old self. So, as a young father, I struggled to rewrite the family script from my childhood and act out a happier ending for my family. I'd like to share with you five things I'd tell my younger father self. Number one, grow your faith before you grow your family. I did not do all these things well, by the way, but I'm, I'm talking to my younger self. Grow your faith before you grow your family. You can't share what you don't have. So seek a personal relationship with Christ so that you can model to your children and so you have the rock to hold on to when life's inevitable 
storms hit. Number two, get involved with your children early. I would have naturally waited until the girls were ready to be pushed on a swing or to learn to catch a ball before starting to really interact with them. But with Marsha's nudging, I started building relationships with our daughters early. Bath time and bedtime were my specialty, my daily opportunities to bond with Annalise and Alexandra. We had a blast making a mess in the bathroom every night with a myriad of splashing, bubbling, and squirting bath toys. Bedtime brought uh, story reading, lullaby singing, butterfly kisses, punctuated by my exaggerated diving catches of their blown kisses while they shrieked with belly laughs. They still reference those times. As your kids get older, younger dads, stay involved. Be there at every event of your kids' lives. Go on every school trip, be at every game, every performance. Even when your kids are teenagers and they act like they don't care if you're there or not, still go. Be there. Mons and Julie Jensen encouraged us to continue showing up, even in the high school years, and they were so right. A lot of our vacation time was spent going on school trips and outings, and we never regretted it, not one time. I get it, dads. It's hard. It's not easy or convenient, and sometimes it just isn't possible. But if you can work it out, the rewards are great and the memories are precious. And trust me, they are glad that you were there. Build your family identity. Number three, don't be afraid to create your own family standards or to be countercultural. I thought I had more on that one, but that's it. Number four, lead your family as a humble servant. I've learned this by watching examples of this. Thank God for David Vixie, Jim Retzer, Monty Nystrom. Gentle giants who lead quietly by serving. Another resource that helped me is the book entitled Humility, given to me by my buddy Mark Carter. In the first chapter, it defines humility as the absence of pride, and that pride is at the root of all sin. So when there are relationship problems with your kids or your wife, look inside instead of outside. Don't look at how you've been mistreated, even if you have been, but look inside to see how you can better serve your family with a humble spirit. Number five, practice discipline, spiritual discipline, physical discipline, nutritional discipline, and the discipline of self-control. Way right there. I know Brian's saying, what? Come on, Greg, self-control. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to my younger self, like a, like a year and a half ago when I, when I wasn't yelling at the refs in the basketball games. So that was... Be disciplined so that you can be on top of your game as a dad, as a provider, and as a nurturer. If you don't take care of yourself and grow spiritually, you are less able to care for your family. Number six, surround yourself with intentional dads, with other intentional dads. This leads into how I've been blessed recently as a dad. I am blessed by the encouragement of my friends who are fellow dads, my comrades, my homies. I'm blessed by Mark Carter, who keeps me accountable as a dad and who prays for the important people and issues in my life, whether or not I ask him to. I'm also privileged to belong to a small group of dads who meet for Bible study each week. It is a great time of encouragement where we read and discuss scripture and pray for our families, friends, and community. What a blessing this is. These intentional fathers inspire me to be a better dad. Here are small examples how they help me. I want to give my kids the gift of laughter, fun, and just being present 
just like I've seen Brian Dudar and Bernard Hofraga do repeatedly with their children. I want to stay connected with my kids, be an involved coach, walking beside them with thoughtful, gentle encouragement and advice like Mons Jensen does. I want to worship daily with my family and lead intentional conversations with my kids the way I've witnessed Danny on and Mark Carter do with their families. I want to set aside specific one-on-one time and go on special outings and trips with my kids, just like I've seen Brock Cummings do. These guys bless my life. One more time. In closing, I want to share two recent experiences that have blessed me. Last Sunday morning, Marsha Alexander and I were at Marsha's brother's home in Redlands. I saw Alexandra sitting at the backyard table. She put in her earbuds to call her buddy Janelle on, who's in summer school at Andrews University. More than two hours later, they had a lot of catching up. I don't know. I think they just spoke last week, though. I went into the breakfast room to do some work at the table. Several minutes after I sat down, I heard Alexandra's voice in a quiet, prayerful tone. I couldn't hear what she was saying, but I knew she was praying. Janelle must have obviously been praying during the silent minutes that just preceded Alexandra's prayer. This is a continuation of a prayer partnership which started publicly their freshman year at PAA when they uh, would pray in the quad every morning before the first period class. Other students and occasionally other teachers would join them even though they are thousand, thousands of miles apart now, they are still prayer partners. And that blesses me as a dad. The other experience was last month when Marcia and I visited my father and his wife, who now live in a senior living facility. Neither of them show much interest in spiritual things. But on their counter, their kitchen counter, was a card that had been written last fall, the beginning of the school year last year, by our older daughter, Annalise. She wrote about how fun it was to have her sister living next door to her in college and how much they do together. Then on the back of the card, she wrote this. I also wanted to let you know that I've been praying for you both. I pray that you continue to find fun friends, and good community in the place you are living. I also pray that in a world destroyed by the ugliness of sin, you would be touched by the love of Jesus. He has changed my life, has given me peace and hope, and I know he will do the same for you. 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Thank you, Paradise Church, for the blessing you have been to our family. Let's pray. Father God, as we recognize the divine privilege of fatherhood, we pause and praise you and your greatness as a savior, as a comforter, a provider, a nurturer, and a friend. Bless all these fathers here today and all the families that they lead. Amen.